Hey, it's Scott Orner, Cruise Consulting, and welcome to another episode of Founders and Friends. And before we start the podcast, let's give a quick shout out to Rippling. Rippling is the new cool payroll tool that we see a lot of startups using. Rippling is great for your traditional HR and payroll. They integrate very nicely. But guess what? They did another thing. They integrate into your IT infrastructure. They make it really easy for when you hire someone to spin up all the web services and their computer, which sounds kind of like not a huge deal. But actually, we did the study at Cruise. We spend $420 on average just getting a new employee's computer up and running and their web service up and running. It's actually a really big deal. It saves a lot of money. And the dogs are eating the dog food. Like We see a lot of startups coming in to Cruise now using Rippling. So please check out Rippling. Great service. We love it. I think we have a podcast with Parker Conrad. You can hear it from his own words, but we're seeing them take market share. So shout out to Rippling. And now to another awesome podcast at Cruise Consulting's Founders and Friends. Thanks. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise. Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty Orn. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Zoe Gervier Hewitt of EQT Ventures. Welcome, Zoe. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So uh, we, we actually had a great discussion off mic and we're kind of laughing uh, because I was, mis- you have a beautiful name and I was mispronouncing <laughs> the, the, the French aspect of that name. So, but maybe you can kind of, re- we're, we're giggling here, maybe you can retrace your career and tell everyone how you ended up at EQT Ventures. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, thanks for having me. Um, and a bit about me. So I I think I'm one of the sort of rare talent people that uh, deliberately chose to, to build my career in, in talent acquisition and recruiting. Um, I went to the University of Oxford where I studied um, art history. And so uh, all of my friends and peers were going out to build careers in banking and management consulting and finance and um i said actually i I like working with people and i'm really intellectually curious about how um you can develop someone's talent and how people go on to do really cool things by applying their their skills so um yeah very strangely i deliberately chose and sought out a, a role in talent and recruiting very early on and so my first real job was working for apple um on a leadership development program and there, uh, they they basically trained a bunch of ambitious graduates up on the you know best practices in talent management and recruiting, uh, and I think there I really developed my passion for leadership, people operations, and um, yeah, bringing really smart people into organizations and getting the best from them. So um, oh, I was just gonna say it's super rewarding to to do that. I love developing people too, and seeing them you know a recognizing the talented person who needs a break or needs just an entry point and then also helping develop people through their career. And it's like amazing. You, you see people just do go on to do really incredible stuff, whether they're helping your organization or not. So I, I share the same passion you have for developing people. So I, I think that's really cool that you're doing that. Yeah. And, uh, and now looking back, I think actually at the time Apple were, um, they had a very progressive view on how um, people management should, should look and, and how leadership could look. Um, they placed a lot of emphasis on coaching for results versus, you know, command and control leadership. So anyway, 
kind of fast forwarding on the story, I after I left Apple, um, I really wanted to work for smaller companies that were growing much faster. Um, and so I thought, well, why don't we why don't I join a startup and see if I can bring some of these best practices in talent management and recruiting into these smaller organizations. Obviously, it's a very, very different context in uh, working as a startup operator, but I did join um, one gaming company called Mind Candy, where I joined the talent team there um, and was responsible for essentially sourcing all of the um, talent, engineering talent and creative talent um, into the gaming company in London. And then my next move from there was where I spent sort of the most time before where I am now. Um, it's a company called Entrepreneur First. They are a talent investor. Um, which is essentially they, they create startups from scratch by bringing really smart, high potential pre-founders together mm. and um, I guess matching them is, is the simp simplest way to um, explain what they do. They don't actually match them, but they bring smart people together. And from that, startups are built. And they match them so that like they take a, a business founder and a technical founder and match them or are they matching like one founder to a business problem? So they're actually matching is, is a misleading word. They actually don't do any matching. <laughs> Essentially <laughs> what what they do is they recruit very smart people who are very talented and skilled, usually technical people. So engineers and technical PhDs um, who have some sort of problem that they want to solve, but they don't necessarily have to have an idea and they definitely don't have to have a team. Um, and then they spend enough time together and um, yeah, spend enough sort of socialization time to then potentially meet a co-founder on that program. And if that does happen and does occur, uh, EF will invest in that company as the first one of the first investors. That's awesome. So I joined there as the first employee to build the talent function from scratch, which involved um, building the recruiting arm. How do you recruit these geniuses and, and convince them yeah. to quit their jobs at Google and, and come and do this? Yeah. yeah. Um, and also the selection piece. So EF is solving a sort of identification challenge or problem in founder selection so most of these people had never built companies before so you were really trying to select the people that you felt had the highest potential to be a successful founder I was there for four and a half years um, built a talent team of about 14 people we expanded from London to Singapore and Berlin just as I was leaving EF um, and along the way we raised a series A from Reid Hoffman and other top Silicon Valley wow. investors and uh, it, yeah it was a really like it was a really fascinating, high, um, high, very fast-paced time of my career, but learned a lot along the way. That takes me to where I'm today. I left EF after about four and a half years, and I, I think along during my time there, I realised that for companies to become truly important institutions, the founders needed to then access talent themselves and build a team around them that was going to accelerate that company's um, growth trajectory. Yeah. And at least in Europe, that's still currently quite a hard and broken process um, in, in recruiting top talent, um, particularly when you are an unheard of startup. So I grew more and more interested in how how can later stage investors um, support companies, their portfolio companies to go out and do that and um, became aware of you know the talent partner role in, in VCs. And then, yeah, very serendipitously met EQT Ventures who were just about to go out and look for a talent partner to join them. So that's where I am today. And my job now is is sort of twofold. I spend most of my time supporting our portfolio companies on anything related to people and talent. That usually takes the form of um, helping them build their executive teams and helping them build 
diverse and inclusive cultures. And then I, I'm also talent advisor to the investment team internally to help them make more informed decisions before you invest in the company. Yeah. I can't, well, so let's take those two kind of separate conversations. I'm super excited about it to talk about them. But I think in, let's, so let's go out to the talent support first, like helping the portfolio companies. Mm. And you made, you made a great point of like, hey, the early stage startups, they don't, they're kind of unheard of. They, people don't know who they are. It's hard for them to find good people. And I think even maybe even harder is getting that really star person to join the team without like the social proof of like, this is working or we're going to be huge or whatever it is. And I think that's one of the really high value adds that a VC firm and someone in your role can provide. You can actually be a spokesperson for the company and say, hey, these people are going somewhere. We've put our own money in the company. You should trust us. You should join. I mean, how much of your job is finding people versus kind of like selling or convincing them that, th that this company you're working with is the next big thing? Yeah, I think my time is almost entirely stacked towards the later stages of the, the talent funnel. So um, to your point, I think actually finding ta the talent you want to hire has become a much easier problem. <laughs> so thanks to you know platforms like LinkedIn and the networks that VCs have now, I think actually the it's far easier to pinpoint, oh, that's the person I want to hire for this role. Um, it's actually the assessing of that talent and then the closing <laughs> of that individual that is is seems to be harder for early stage companies in Europe. So I spend, of course, I help out with introductions and spend a lot of time help, you know, putting, pointing um, founders in the right direction of where they might find someone. But I think where we can add real um, value is in, you know, making sure that they're selecting the right person for that role and for their company, yeah. and then um, doing everything we can as the the um, bullish VC to get that person excited and, and accept the offer. It's a great point. And my, I was, we were talking before it turned the mic on that I'd interviewed Glenn Evans of Greylock recently. And Glenn was saying that like, actually you can be one of the kind of the key variables to winning and winning a deal, like being able your, your venture firm, being able to actually invest in the company versus another top tier firm, because you're so good at helping them source talent. You can kind of demonstrate the value add. I mean, are you, do you see the same thing and, and experiencing the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, for the best founders, they're usually beating top VCs off with a stick. So I think in terms yeah. of, um, <laughs> you know, positioning yourself as a differentiated value add VC, I think the talent conversation is always um, a super attractive one to to a founder that uh, knows that they're going to have to go out and build a really, really amazing team. And I think what's quite different about my involvement in the fund versus a sort of traditional talent partner role is that I, I get involved much earlier. So before we invest in companies, I'm usually introduced to founders. And so we're talking about talent and their, their plans to grow their team but like really early on in the process, which one gets them really excited, um, but two that gives them a sort of you know try before you buy. This is what you might get if uh, yeah. if we end up being your partner. <laughs> yeah. So there's some pressure on you because you have to be a great representative of the firm and and carry carry the carry the message. I'm sure too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. um, but it's really really exciting. That's a really exciting part of my job. I love talking to founders about um, how they how they plan to grow their teams. I love it. And then there's a second aspect of your job, which I found super interesting, um, which I didn't even realize you, you were doing, which, and maybe you can kind of talk about it, but it's basically like an analysis from a talent's 
uh, perspective of the actual founders you're investing in. Yeah, absolutely. So this is one of the reasons why I joined EQT Ventures um, versus another fund. I think for me, the, there's a really interesting challenge in, in VC and maybe it's like a paradox around um, talent uh, because uh, if you speak to most investors, particularly investors that are, are operating at the very, very early stages of company building, um, most will tell you that talent is a really important factor in, in making the decision to invest or not. And I know you, you definitely know that. And so talent is really, really critical, but it's, it's usually the area um, of the company that doesn't have this as sophisticated due diligence process or uh, even yeah. even time spent on it compared to other things, you know, market problem, growth potential. So kind of qualitative too, right? It's kind of like, it's a little harder to evaluate. I think it's actually more difficult to evaluate that's why it's less scrutinized in a way. Does that make sense? Definitely. It's, it's far harder to, to carry out, um, you know, an assessment on a person. Um, and so, and it feels a little woolly and soft and, you know, numbers are hard. Yeah. And so I think that there's a bunch of reasons why that is the case. And so I think what we're seeing in the industry is that a lot of those talent decisions come down to gut feel and, you know, that very subjective sense of a, a very subjective assessment. And so my interest is in, can we make those, um, decisions we're making a little more robust and a little more evidence-based um, and more informed by just spending a bit more time with teams and founders and also applying a bit of structure. And so um, my role is definitely not to judge talent and play Simon Cow on the X Factor and say pass, fail. But my, <laughs> my, my job is, though, to help my colleagues on the investment team um, make sure they have all the information that they need to make a really, really informed decision on a team. Do you do like a personality assessment? Because we started doing personality assessments at Cruise when we were hiring, you know, and, and actually has really helped us because we can we can see some people who are perfect fits for the job and some people who maybe just this is a little different than your use case, but like maybe just applying just to, to get a job. And, and it, I can see the same thing being like, like we'll talk about EQT's like technology investment and mother brain and all that in a second. But like, I'm assuming you want to find founders who really appreciate that and have that same methodology, method, that approach. Mm -hmm. Like, is that, is that the kind of stuff you're doing? Yes, yeah, so I think, first of all, I am a massive fan of talent assessments that are psychologically robust. So I'm a big fan of, of those sorts of tests. However, there is a challenge when you're trying to um, use that in the entrepreneurial um, yeah. success uh, success factor context. And that's because most of these tests haven't been designed to select entrepreneurs. And as you know, yeah. founders are very spiky characters. They're definitely not well-rounded. Most of them would probably not pass a, a generic interview for a for a large corporate company, <laughs> um, they're very high variance. And so actually I've, I've done a lot of testing, I've done a lot of investigation, I haven't yet found a test, which I think truly um, gives credit to the entrepreneurial personality if we were to generalize. The second thing is there's been a lot of um, research on successful traits of founders and entrepreneurs, but it, it, it is kind of inconclusive and inconsistent. So the list is really, really long when you start, if you ask someone, what do you think makes a successful founder? Um, you'll end up with about a hundred traits um, and all of them are really great things, but they're not unique to, to founders. So um, my focus instead is on seeing whether we can surface more information around what the founders really, really strong at and whether that is situationally mm. and contextually relevant to the problem market they're going after but more importantly when that strength is overused which we all have strengths that we overuse what are the performance risks associated with that that yeah. we should be aware of going into it that's such a great point and and like like i actually know what you're talking about because I, I took our own personality assessment and 
there's like four categories and I am two and a half or three standard deviations on three of the four categories, which is not like what you want from a normal human being, but like, and I'm not like I'm, I'm, I'm high functioning and a nice person, but like, I just have certain traits that I have. Mm. And for me, that's kind of stuff I can see that was actually really helpful for me to understand my strengths and weaknesses. I'm sure like that was the first time I ever did that. I'm sure founders talk to you and say like, Oh my gosh, it's this map you're giving me of my personality and, and my strengths and weaknesses is probably pretty helpful. Like, do you ever get like the thank you from them? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, um, I think when I first joined the fund, there was a little sort of hesitation around doing this kind of work with founders before we've invested because, it, you know, it might yeah. be too invasive and, um, you know, how will that be received? The reality is that founders love um, going through this uh, exercise and they love having discussions around what their strengths might be and their weaknesses might be and how we could support as the VC. I think it's estimated that something like two thirds of people don't know their own strengths. So um, most of us do not know what we're really good at. And therefore, we definitely don't have a clue as to when we're overusing that strength and when it's when it's derailing us. So, yeah, my focus is on, like, how can we help the founders raise their own awareness? And that is going to be immensely valuable for them on the journey in building the company, whether we invest or not. Yeah, I love that you have that conversation. And then you're also the person that can help them then find the people who can compliment them. I think that's a really that's a it's really smart. I mean, I think that's. I think that really sets you apart from like other firms in that you're thinking about it from a personality and a, and a fit perspective. And I'm sure like not every company works in a VC fund. And so you, sometimes you have to have really tough conversations. I'm sure having that kind of profile in the background and, and really understanding each other helps in those difficult conversations with founders, right? Like, do you ever go back and be like, oh, I remember Marcy or Bob was, you know, these are his strengths or her strengths. Mm we need to make sure we need to kind of convey this, this difficult conversation in a way that they can understand it. Yeah. I think we've, we've definitely started to see um, that the observations we're able to make in the pre-investment process can positively affect the, the relationship we, that we then build with founders. And we know, you know, when to apply pressure and when to not, and, and what's going to get them motivated yeah. and, and brought in and what's not. I think I'm very keen to make, as, as this builds out at the fund, I'm very keen to stress that I think this process should be a two-way street. So as much as we're asking founders to dedicate the time and give us this information that's very helpful for us, they should also know about us and what our strengths are and what our performance risks are. So um, one of that the- was my next question. <laughs> I was going to ask you that question. Like, do you share your personality strengths and weaknesses? Because everyone's got a story of a kind of difficult partner at the partnership meeting or the, not the partnership meetings, but like the board meetings or things like that. Like, do you kind of, you, you kind of give it, it's a two way street basically. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as we're going through this process with a founder, I always share my own strengths and how they flip into risks. And there's a, there's a few psychologically informed um, strengths uh, assessors uh, like profilers and um, I always share my results from that and say I, you know one of my top strengths is emotional control so if you're building a crazy fast-growing uh, chaotic company I'm, I'm per probably the person that can help steady the ship um, however when I'm under immense strain and pressure and, and I'm overusing that strength I might be difficult to read and that's an example of how something that has been very successful for me could easily flip into something that would not be creating a positive um, effect or impact. So I, I'm now keen to get the entire investment team to take the same test and so that they can share their own profiles when they're talking to founders they want to invest in. I love it. I mean, we actually do that at, at Cruise. 
We share with everyone we're hiring our personality. And the other thing, I don't, I'm not sure if you've done it yet or not, but what we found, it was great to help our hiring and improve that. And that, that's the equivalent to you investing in certain founders, but actually it facilitated conversations amongst our management team and just team in general about each other's strengths and weaknesses that like people didn't understand. You said that like, you know, two thirds of people don't understand their strengths. Well, like it's even harder to understand someone else's strengths. And so we're able to like produce these PDFs and we can talk about it. And sometimes I'm a little impatient or sometimes, but I'm, or sometimes I'm rushing things. And so other people in the organization can call that out and say like, Hey, you're being a little, you know, you're leaning in a little too hard yeah. on your impatience. You know, slow down a little bit, you know, and it's super healthy because it gives everyone a voice and it gives everyone a central reference point so that no one is offended. It's just like, that's who everyone knows how you are. Yeah. We're just slowing you down yeah, a little bit. Exactly. You know? And I think normalizing the the fact that we, everyone does have strengths and everyone has performance risks associated with those strengths. And, and it's yeah. not necessarily a weakness if you know how to manage it. So the exercise is really um, raising the self-awareness of the, the founder, but also uh, the awareness of the team as to how they can become a functioning team. And I actually think it's really important to the diversity conversation because it, by doing that exercise, you're able to see where um, homogenous patterns lie within a team and where you may need to bring diversity and you know, co cognitive diversity or just diversity of how you solve problems. So I actually use that as a shoehorn I use the talent assessment conversation uh, as a shoehorn to start the diversity conversation from a very sort of evidence-based data-driven starting point. I love it. I, this is fascinating. This is actually like the fact that your fund does this shows how progressive you are. Um, th there's one other thing I want to talk about, which was just like the technological approach and maybe the structure approach of, of EQT Ventures. Like you, you, like maybe you can explain explain Mother Brain and and tell the audience how it works and how you run the firm with it. Yeah, definitely, I can try. I'm not I'm not the person that built it, but no. <laughs> um, so I think what one thing that's different about EQT Ventures is um, we're obviously a, a fund made up of former operators and former founders, so we have that sort of product DNA and ourselves. And so um, what that's meant is we have spent time building our own software internally for the fund um, and it started it's called mother brain it's uh, a way that we can make more data-driven investment decisions and it and it's essentially like an operating system for the investment team and it started out helping the investors on our team source companies that are outside of our network and uh, pay attention or be alerted to companies that were growing really fast that we might not have heard of or might not even be in our sort of geographical focus zone and it's really become something that's very foundational now to the way we work as an entire team. So not only does it, I think the entire sort of investment process now is, is run on mother brain from the sourcing all the way to through to the voting at the investment committee. Um, but we're now even thinking about, you know, for our operating team, how can I use it for talent related purposes? Is there a way that we can use this to predict or identify founders before they start their next thing? So I'm super excited about the potential of this. And not many people know that we actually have a fully, there's a fully staffed team around it um, of engineers that are building this. So it's not just, you know, lip service and smoke and mirrors, which I have to um, say I thought it was before I joined the fund, <laughs> um, but it's real. <laughs> it's kind of like the next, like, I, so I worked in venture capital from like 02 to what, 2013, 14, something like that. And like in those days you kind of had, like you would take an, an investor would invest in your company and they would sit on your board and you would get the benefit of their Rolodex, but pretty much like no one else's Rolodex, even Rolodex is like mm. an old term, mm. their network, mm. right? 
And then like Andreessen Horowitz came by and was like, hey, we're going to turn this into an agency approach and help in a lot of different ways. And that was pretty revolutionary. And now what you you folks are doing with all this technical analysis and data-driven, you know, everything you're doing is seems like kind of version 3.0 of the venture capital model. Like, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, and and to that point, um, one of the um, data sources that, that Motherbrain uses is our own networks that, we, that we're bringing to the funders, former founders and former operators. So I've started to, to use that as a way to surface who do we know between us that might be valuable to introduce to the portfolio company. And my focus at the moment is helping um, our portfolio companies expand their shortlist for, for new board positions because I feel that we can help them um, source more diverse people, candidates for that list. That's amazing. I just interviewed Natalie Aurora at SUSE Ventures like two weeks ago, and they have an, a similar diversity initiative. And that stuff works so well because you're right. Like the echo chamber of like, if you went to the right school, you know this, those people and you can get on boards or worked at the same company, you can get on boards. But I love how you're kind of getting getting outside that immediate circle and talking to a lot of different people for board because board seats are kind of like they're kind of intimidating on the outside it sounds kind of scary and it is a lot of responsibility but like once you've kind of done it a few times you know that you're just like a special advisor of the company mm -hmm. and the company's going to take your advice sometimes and not take your advice other times and that's okay you know so like it's actually a, something that more people should have access to yeah. so we can get out of that echo chamber or, or connection, you know, limitations. Absolutely. And I think you're, you're so right. I think board roles are really inaccessible and they're very rarely taken to market in a sort of public fashion. Yeah. Headhunters usually are, are working across our portfolio to um, run those searches. But I think in my experience, the, the challenge I found with the majority of search firms, not not all of them, but the majority is that they will build a, a shortlist based on a really narrow view on what makes a great board member. And that usually means, you know, in, for, in our world, in, in the sort of early stage venture world, someone that has been a former CEO or CFO or has played a, a board role multiple times before. And that directly already excludes a lot of women from the list, for example. So um, I've been able to use Mother Brain totally. to like take a, a broader approach and see, well, who are the who are the women that have you know scaled a tech company and could actually add value at board level from an organizational de development point of view? And I've been able to find some really really talented, exciting profiles to share. I totally agree. Or like someone who's a VP at a tech company, you know, who's not even the CEO, but they've helped the company grow or built something really amazing, or has a like. I was thinking like I was telling my wife Vanessa like hopefully she'll be on a bunch of boards when we're old, so I can retire. But like she's. She's a woman who's built her own company. It's like that kind of stuff. You learn so much, even though it's not like a multi-billion dollar company. It's like, oh, she actually knows what she's doing, you know? Yeah. So I, th I think that's fantastic. This has been amazing. You, you have a super interesting job. I think if I wasn't working at Cruise, I'd probably be wanting to do what you're doing. <laughs> I can totally visualize how this is so helpful to the founders. Like just being able to like take that personality test, understand who they are, you know, in the partnership, understanding who they are. Cause I mean, so many times you're sitting in the partnership being like, what kind of person is this? Should we invest in them or not? Like, is this, is this the right decision? And so having that psychological profile and knowing and having them be receptive to it probably is a real coachable signal yeah. 
for your firm too. So I, I think what you're doing is fascinating. Yeah, and, and just to stress, it's uh, by no means something that I think we would ever enforce on a founder, but it definitely is revealing to see which founders are really sort of bought into to this conversation and which ones aren't. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how, yeah. it, how it grows from here. I love it. Well, Zoe, thank you so much for coming by. I really appreciate it. You got a, you got a cool job. I really like it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to cruise. Founders and friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty Oh.